0: Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular praxis songs and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Toda Scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of of Westminster Effects. You can check us out at westminstereffects.com and make sure you join in the discussion in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Also, make sure you subscribe and share the show if you find this stuff helpful. Uh, In person, I am joined by...
1: This is Bradley Cox, pastor of Resurrection Church, and this is my least favorite part of the show, (laughs) when I have to introduce myself. But it was not a train wreck this time. It was
0: not. Uh, And via the interwebs, kind of looks like a zombie right now on the Zoom meeting, because he froze kind of awkwardly,
2: but... (laughs) Hey everybody, John Ross here, Westminster effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, the walking undead from Lincoln, Nebraska.
0: Yeah, it was kind of creepy. It looked like your eyes were whited out and stuff. I don't you know if if you hear any strange noises in this podcast it's 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 just it's just old uh old sexy boat captain turning into a zombie yeah so don't mind him (laughs) uh so uh we'll just jump right in our topic this week uh stems from an inquisition question that was submitted uh from brad speed who did uh make the disclaimer that He's not asking for himself, but he asks: Does First Timothy three and Titus one mean that a man who has been divorced and remarried is no longer qualified to be a pastor? And this has been uh, this has been a hotly debated topic uh, throughout Christendom uh, for two thousand years, really. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's whether it's somebody who has multiple wives, which is addressed, really, I think, right in the text, or someone who has been. Divorced and remarried, or what have you, and and then it gets into the weeds of well, what were the circumstances of the divorce and all that kind of stuff, and it really kind of even stems a lot from, you know, is marriage permanent and that kind of thing. There's a lot of debate around that too. Uh, so, what do we make of First Timothy three and Titus one? Uh, maybe Bradley, you have it pulled up on your phone. Uh, maybe just. Read off the uh, the verse there for us.
1: Okay, First Timothy chapter three, verses one and two. Let's say we'll go. Um, I'll just read until I feel like we've read enough. It, this saying <laughs> is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of an overseer, which that word is bishop, um, which a uh, bishop overseer, and it's um, synonymous pastor, with yeah. elder pastor. Or he may, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into con- the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So high standards, very high standards, <laughs> <laughs> and interesting standards too. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I would point out that um, husband of one wife, regardless of how you interpret that, is not the. Uh, I, I don't I, you wouldn't put that at the top of the food chain of these mm-hmm. lists of qualifications sure. yeah. in, 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 in the sense that you separate it from all the rest um, if you're going to ask the question can a person who has been divorced um, be be in the office of an elder? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a stretch to also extend that question beyond has this person ever not been sober-minded? Have they ever not been self-controlled? Have they ever not been a drunkard? Or uh, are what if their children have grown into adulthood and are not Christians? Yeah. Um, what? How do we interpret these standards in the moment when someone is aspiring to a noble? It's a noble aspiration, Paul says, to want to be an elder. And and written from a guy, like not violent but gentle. Well.
0: Paul had a there bunch of people killed. That's absolutely right. He so, was, so I think the question, more than likely, uh, like I've I've seen, regardless of which side someone takes on the debate, uh, pretty much everyone concedes, like if those things happened pre-conversion, yeah, uh, then yeah. all bets are
1: off. I think everybody agrees on that. I think so. Um, but I think you also have to be willing to acknowledge that there. There, th- while there are several passages in the New Testament that address marriage and divorce, mm-hmm. uh, not one of them is exhaustive in addressing all the potential permutations of how and why a divorce may occur, um, and and what 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 the implications of that are. You know, there right. um, uh, was a thought that came to mind. I just lost it, but you know. Um, it, maybe it'll come to me. the the main point was just simply that not not all context, not all passages address all the different reasons why a divorce might occur. And though the Bible condemns divorce in the sense that God hates it always, every time i'm I'm convinced mm-hmm. of that. It's never God's Desire that someone go through a divorce. God's never throwing anybody a thumbs up. Like, that's yeah, right. that's awesome. Good job. Yeah. No, it's a tragedy every time it happens, but I, I think I can stand on this ground is that I think the Bible does permit divorce, morally speaking, in some cases. Right. Uh, I.e., marital infidelity, uh, and I think there are passages that lead us to conclude that, like, for example, when Paul says in Corinthians that – if you're married to an unbelieving spouse, don't divorce them because they don't—they're not believers. Mm-hmm. Stay with them, but if they leave, right, you're free and you're under no obligation. And Piper has a different interpretation of that than I do, um, but I think that's an example of where the Bible does permit divorce. And I think there are passages that would, principally speaking, lead us to conclude that if if someone if a wife is being abused and her life's in danger, right, that um, that divorce would not be
0: sinful. So and and then it would more than likely to stretch this out to pastoral qualifications if it obviously this would be up to uh you know the elders that are already established in that church but mm-hmm. if if they know that somebody has a history of spousal abuse
1: that's probably going to be a red flag in the first place, right? I think so and I think that um to answer the question directly, does a divorce in someone's past disqualify them from being an elder, biblically speaking? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. But maybe not is, is my stance on that. Um, you know, Keith, for example, uh, who's pastor here at Res and an elder, mm-hmm. um, Was divorced. Mm, And Uh, and he's open about this. He's very open about it. I'm not telling a story that he hasn't shared publicly. So um, he was married uh, not long out of college and um, took a pastorate right out of college, which that in and of itself is a little bit scary to me that uh, <laughs> somebody would be placed in a an existing church at 22 years old, right out of college as a as a lead pastor. Yeah. Um, but regardless, that's what happened. And it, early on in their marriage, his then wife decided that she did not want to be in ministry and did not want to be married to him. Mm-hmm. He made every effort to reconcile with her and go to counseling, um, and she refused and. In that case, again, principally speaking, I would I would anchor that divorce that happened, even though Keith tried to stop it um, as being a situation where a spouse left and a spouse vacated the marriage. And I don't think Mm -hmm. that um, that disqualifies Keith from either being an elder or getting remarried in that case. So um, and I, I realize people may debate me on that, but that's. That's my take. Right. So, so what do, what would you say then to someone who would disagree?
0: I would say that um, you. It, I, don't, I I don't disagree further. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> neither, neither do I. I'm just quiet I, I, because I don't have any input. I'm just agreeing uh, with with the collective <laughs> wisdom here. Uh,
1: you're not you're not silently disagreeing. You're
2: silently yes. agreeing. Yeah.
1: I, I think I would. I would. Um, we, we'd have to do some talking about about what the Bible has to say about marriage and divorce and marriage permanency. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, You know, obviously I think that there is a temporary nature to marriage. Uh, Right. We, we sign up for until death do us part. Yep. So that in and of itself acknowledges the fact that unless we die together in a plane crash, um, there's the potential that this marital covenant could come to an end at the point of death. Right. And, no one would argue that at that point, um, if that were to happen to me, I would be free to marry another. Right uh, in this life, and so and for Jesus to even say that, and and you know, I know there are different ways to interpret this, but in heaven they will neither be ma- be married nor given in marriage. Right. So there there is some redefinition of the marital relationship that's going to be true of eternity, and so the, the permanency of marriage is a it's a question I think mm-hmm. that we have to ask, and so um, what I would say to them is that um, if we could come to an agreement that the Bible doesn't speak of marriage as being permanent, um, eternally speaking at least, um, then I think we would have to also agree that there are cases in which the Bible permits divorce. And we'd have to have some discussion about what freedoms exist on the other side of that. You know, I think of Charles Stanley, who basically took a vow of cel- celibacy after his divorce. And mm-hmm. I don't really know all the circumstances of his divorce, but he's remained a single man ever since. And um, I, I admire that and respect that from the standpoint that he wanted to, again, according to... Um, Paul's words in, in, in Timothy, I think Charles Stanley would anchor it here, is that he would be above reproach. Sure. Rather than rather than take on the reproach of getting remarried, Charles Stanley chose to um, to remain celibate and remain single. And, and I can admire that and respect that, even though I don't necessarily agree that, uh, it, it, depending on the circumstances of his divorce, that he would be disqualified from being a pastor if he got remarried. Right. That that seems to make
0: sense. You got anything over there, John? Or are you still just taking no, that, it all in?
2: I mean, that completely winds up with uh, with my thoughts, feelings, beliefs, upbringing, teaching, so on and so forth. Um, not uh, not something that that I've had really much exposure to. Um, I've been like involved in ministries that in its in their past have had uh, issues or. or Kind of around this topic, but it's never something. Uh, thanks be to God, absolutely that uh, that I've really seen firsthand. And uh, I mean, as as I always am when when uh, uh, we all line up on on our on our thoughts and convictions on a topic, I, I'm, I'm joyful that that's occurred. But yeah, I, I've really just got nothing to say on on, on about it. I'm just I'm speechless. Yeah. <laughs>
1: One thing I'd add is that, like, you know, I, we we have to take marriage very seriously. Yeah. I mean, and I could go on for a long time about this. I'm not going to. But, I mean, what marriage pictures for us in terms of the gospel is staggering.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the covenant of marriage and what it represents in terms of our relationship to God and Christ is... we should be in awe of it for Paul to say husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church for wives submit to your husbands as unto the Lord there is there's something really just eternally glorious about the institution of marriage that we should take very seriously those those really are enormous statements they're huge statements and if someone comes to me uh, that has been divorced and is lo- engaged to another to be married, and they want me to do the wedding.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I will not show up like a justice of the peace and sign the marriage certificate and lead them through the I do's. Mm-hmm. I they they have I make them I, they have to submit to uh, some. Premarital, pastoral counsel for me to understand, like, what's going on in your lives? How are you thinking mm-hmm. about the institution of marriage? You know, this divorce in your past raises questions that need to be answered because they are, you know, just huge, significant questions that I think divorce does raise. And so, we, you know, we shouldn't, we sh- neither should we be flippant about if someone has a divorce in their past or they have a history of violence, like the Apostle Paul. Right. That we should just jump to the conclusion because that happened at some point in their past, that they are qualified to be an elder. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. And I think we have to we have to walk through that prayerfully, carefully, with you know, the wisdom and godly counsel surrounding us in 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 both of those cases, when there's a, a remarriage about to take place or and or when there's someone aspiring to be an elder. Mm-hmm.
0: And and with Paul, I mean, obviously you see you have uh, Jesus himself showing up and saying, you're my guy
1: mm-hmm, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. going
0: to do this stuff. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that's not an everyday occurrence. <laughs> that's right. Um, but but throughout his initial stages of ministry, pretty much everyone said, hold on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this guy? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that was definitely an obstacle to overcome. Definitely. And so even you know, if, if we're talking about a local church... Uh, I think that would probably be an even bigger hindrance, uh, particularly in this day with with things like social media oh, yeah. and and blogging and, and stuff like that, where you know news can news can leak really really quickly, and yeah. all of a sudden in the local paper you've got uh, you know <laughs> you've got local church installs wife beater as elder and stuff like that, <laughs> oh, and then you yeah, got a whole can goodness. of worms, right? Yeah.
2: So yep. one question that that. Uh, that I think is related to this is even if we we don't use the uh, the qualifications of an overseer as a rubric by which to measure all who serve within the church. What of somebody who is on the worship team or Sunday school leadership? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I could make the case for maybe someone who uh, serves coffee in the commons or, uh, you know, runs uh, runs pro presenter or something. But someone who is in a visible position of leadership, you know, we've talked about this before. If you are, you know, if you are on the platform, uh, having some sort of leadership function within the worship service or other other ministry avenue, you're seen as a leader in the congregation. So where where do some of these uh criterion points as it were and namely uh divorce and marital fidelity so on and so forth uh how do those fit in and and how should we approach situations in these other ministry areas that uh that are complementary uh to the pastoral ministry um i i I think i think that would be a, a valuable line of thought
1: I think it's a great question um and what I would say is first keep reading first Timothy chapter 3 because mm-hmm. when Paul you know finishes addressing elders he goes right into deacons and who are the deacons the deacons were um initially at least, Acts chapter 6, they were the ones that the apostles said, look, we, we've got widows that are being neglected in the daily distribution. So select from among yourselves men full of wisdom and of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. to attend to this so we can attend to the ministry of the word and prayer. So the standard was very high yeah. in Acts chapter 6 in order to pick men that were going to wait tables. for. You know, that's a bit of a crude way to describe it, but you you understand what I'm saying. Uh, Not that that ministry is less than what the apostles were Mm -hmm. doing. They weren't saying that that ministry is beneath us. Certainly not, because they were holding the standard very high, men full of wisdom and of the Holy Spirit uh, to, to attend to this need in the church. And then Paul finishes dealing with elders, and he goes right into deacons. And here's the interesting thing about that. There's really only one fundamental difference between the list of qualifications that Paul gives for elders, um, uh, for deacons, and that is able to teach. All of the other character and moral standards are mm-hmm. virtually identical, yep. except for able to teach. So, um, that that's... That, I think, biblically affirms what you're saying, John, is that the standard is very high for those who would be in visible leadership-type roles in the church. Um, The qualifications are basically the same. I mean, I I think we need to, you know, biblically vet people at that level that are going to assume any type of visible – leadership type role where people are going to be looking to this person as a leader in the church, um, because that's the only distinguishing difference, only, only difference between elders and deacons is Mm -hmm. that. Sure. And I think we would all agree.
0: um, You've got, Oh, I just lost my thought. Reel it back in. Come on, Cody. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. I was literally in the middle of the sentence. And I just lost it. Mm. You got anything, John? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think I think we would all agree. You know, when when it gives uh, uh, that qualification of deacons, uh, full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit, uh, we understand that every believer is indwelt by sure. the Spirit. But there are different levels of being filled. Sure. And so, what you do want is you know, say musicians, you want them to be full of the Spirit. You want them to be regularly reading the Word and actually thinking about these things as opposed to, uh, you know, and I, I get people are at different stages. Maybe someone can only handle reading five verses at a time. So I'm not putting any kind of of yeah. <laughs> cap or, or quota Thou that they need to read, read by any ten, means.
2: Ten verses of Lamentations per day.
0: Right, um, right. So... But, but, there's a difference between someone who doesn't know where to start mm-hmm. or or they're just unsure of things and someone who is lazy or just refuses. They're probably not very full of the spirit, <laughs> even if they may be indwell,
1: yeah
2: makes sense. I think, I think
1: you know we we just cannot um understate the importance um for church leadership and the people that make decisions about um you know, appointing people to certain roles in the church, the the need for discernment. Um, you know, we need discernment. We need yep. we need to be able to uh, you know because Paul says in First Timothy three when he's talking about deacons, he said um, uh, he said. Deacons likewise must be dignified, not double tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold to the mystery, hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience, and let them also be tested first. Let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. So there's there's some type of testing, um, a a verification uh, process, if you will, that. I, I I understand a lot of times happens very organically, particularly in positions of the church, such as musicians or worship leaders mm-hmm. or host team, <laughs> excuse me, host team members, or you know people that serve in variety of capacities in the church. I think there, there's um, a lot of organic testing that goes on, mm-hmm. and saying you know is this person you know full of the spirit and full of wisdom we're really asking those questions even if we don't use those exact words when we appoint people but we need discernment we need to depend on the holy spirit for discernment when we appoint people to um particularly you know significant roles
2: of leadership in the church you know one thing i've always found really interesting um in, at least in, in the LCMS, I'm sure this exists in, in other, other flavors of Christendom and so on and so forth, but um, the LCMS has, has two seminaries. Now, you're not required uh, to, to go to one of those seminaries to be qualified to, uh, for, to be a pastor in, in the LCMS. Uh, there's a, a colloquy procedure that you would go th- have to go through if you were uh, ordained and instructed elsewhere. Um, but one thing that I've always found interesting is there seems to be this perception within the LCMS, um, not necessarily on a leadership level, more of more of a, a congregational level, almost, a, like like an uns- like, like an unspoken uh, thing, where if you've gone to the seminary, you are one hundred percent qualified. For the pastoral ministry, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm sure that that exists elsewhere. That, that perception, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. I would I would say uh, that that's inaccurate. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, not not only from from the uh, perspective of of the preaching and teaching ministry, uh, but but counseling uh, of general pastoral care. Uh, you know, a lot of people will come out of seminary with uh, the ability to, uh, to do a full exegetical study all their way across scripture within the original languages, and that's fantastic and useful uh, and commendable. Um, but, sure, they have a few homiletics classes, but does that mean they can effectively uh, preach the word? Uh, without being a hindrance to it, uh, you know, I'm sure they, I'm sure they have some, uh, um, some more sociological uh, classes, but that does that mean they're a qualified counselor? You know, all of all of those things, uh, I mean, it, it is it is a very unique individual uh, to hold the role of pastor, I, I, I would say. And I've always found it so interesting that if you're a seminary graduate, you're automatically nominated. Like, ah, yes, you are 100% qualified to be a pastor. Yeah, uh, you know, it's almost as if the pastoral qualifications have have gone from this this list of very high standards to, okay, what degree do you have and from where? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. You know, I, and I and I don't know if there's any discussion to be had around that, but I, I've always found that interesting. Something that uh, that I, I don't necessarily like.
0: No, you're absolutely right. I think. What I've what kind of struck me is I was just kind of flipping around First Timothy three and we really don't pay enough attention to the end of that chapter mm-hmm. uh, where it's, if I delay you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God which is the church of the living God a pillar and buttress of the truth like that's there's a ton just in that one little mm-hmm. phrase mm-hmm. Uh, but but there are there are standards for how Christians behave in the household of God and in the family yeah. of God and the church should be propping up the truth. It's this isn't yes. Individuals are saved obviously, but we then become part of a corporate body that is in covenant together. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and families hold each other accountable, et cetera. So, yeah, absolutely. yeah I
1: mean, I'm, I'm preaching from, um, first Peter, uh, chapter 1 this week the first two verses and you know Paul or P- Paul Peter you know refers to his audience as elect exiles um, according to the foreknowledge of God in the sanctification of the spirit and when we th- we hear that word sanctification we tend to think first about you know you know moral standards mm-hmm. um, holiness we that our progressive growth in Christ likeness and it's certainly not less than that right but I think the essence of what Peter's talking about is a set-apart life. It's not yeah. a normal life. We're, we, we, live, we live normal lives in a very abnormal way Yes, as, as Christians. And so that, that is true of all Christians. A set-apart life, set-apart unto God for obedience to, to Jesus Christ, Peter says. That's, that's all of us. Mm-hmm. And then when you start to think about the office of elder and deacon and extrapolate that out to worship leader or small group leader, mm-hmm. whatever else, you're, we're talking about people who have been set apart from among the set-apart ones to be leaders at the forefront. It doesn't mean they're better. By doesn't the, it mean by they're better, minutes. but it does mean that there is a – um there is a high standard and and we, we should not be flippant about handing out ordinations any more than we should be flippant about inviting someone to lead a small group. You know, I tell my small group leaders all the time, um, you and you are little pastors in this church. And by little I don't mean less than or less significant, I just mean you have a small group of people within the larger group of people that you're called to shepherd and pastor, mm-hmm. uh, like an overseer, and I, I, I want my my small group leaders to be um, really those that are aspiring to the, the same kind of thing that someone who says I want to be an elder and overseer sure. of the church would be aspiring to.
2: Yeah, almost, uh, almost vicars in that sense. A, a, a word, yeah, very much. A so. word often mm. left unused, but one that I appreciate. Good vocabulary, mm. very good
0: vocabulary. <laughs> and and since since you used a great vocabulary word, let's move on to the other great vocabulary word the... within the Doxology podcast, and that is the Inquisition. Let's do it. And that's where the wheels came off, folks. Oh, man, that's anyway, cool. this is the Inquisition, where you give us questions in the Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. And as is tradition, we start with Brian Morris, who asks, When is the right time to introduce an electric guitar into a church that has historically only used a piano?
2: <laughs> that's a chump, huh? Yeah, right. So I, technically, I, I'd cast lots or something if I was. <laughs> you know that that reminds me of a I, I, my guess is it was a Far Side cartoon or something, and it has this uh, uh, a depiction of an older lady with you know tightly curled gray hair in in just a, a dress, and it says after uh, um, after years of uh, of convincing or change or something. Uh, Helen decided to uh, adapt to the new normal, uh, or Helen, the church organist, decided to adapt to the new normal uh, with the praise uh, with the praise team at church, and it shows her in front of like a Marshall stack with a flying V or something. I'll have to see oh, yeah. if I can find that's a it's a quality one. You know, I answered this uh, uh, this post uh, to to Brian on the Inquisition. I wasn't sure if we'd get to it, and um, you know. I think slow and steady is probably the best way. It, it, and it, but even before that, and I, I didn't put this in my post because I literally just kind of realized it now. I would ask first why. Now that's not yeah. that's not a why with like a negative undertone, or or like why would you do that? That's stupid. Uh, <laughs> but I think motivation uh, in this. Uh, it, it, mm-hmm. it would be something that, that we would do well to consider. Um, keeping the worship war-esque style debate out of things, mm-hmm. what are you hoping, and this is a general question to, to anybody who has done this or is doing this, What what is the end game here? Um, yep. Is it, do you want to change the identity Of the congregation, at least from a a visual or aesthetic perspective, or, um, I mean, not intending to hit nails on heads here, but I mean, is it because you want to play more? Is it, uh, is it because that you think that the songs that you're doing would be well served with a little bit of creative ambience uh, mm-hmm. behind mm-hmm. them? Do you have someone who really, really wants to serve and uh, you don't need an acoustic guitar player or they can't play acoustic, which I suppose is, is a thing. I mean, you, you can play electric rather well without being a, a quality acoustic player, I suppose. Um, And they really want to serve and you're trying to make a place for them. I think that's the first question to ask. Yep. If the qu- um, If the answer is something... I don't know, uh, uh, something laudable, something okay. And, and not, uh, uh, not necessarily self-serving. I I think, you know, the advice I gave was to, to introduce electric guitar as a icing on the cake sort of instrument. Um, swells, diamonds, just add some lushness, add some character. I mean, if you think of all the pipes on a pipe organ, right? Um, A lot of the time they're not all used when they are, it's awesome, but they're not all used because they all have their own separate uses. And perhaps that could be a way to introduce uh, the electric guitar um, and and get the congregation acclimated to that idea, especially if you're in a a demographic or community that may consider the electric guitar uh, symbolistic of non-christian things
1: mm-hmm. or yeah. if they just don't like it
2: sure you know right to uh, to quote audio adrenaline's the houseplant song if it's syncopated rhythm then your soul is gonna rot <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> that's funny yeah and, and the All answer nice. to that also could be well it might be never for your church
2: yeah you know absolutely. and that's okay
0: yeah. i mean
2: you know every church every every context is different and we would we would do well to serve our congregants uh in the in the most effective way um mm-hmm. now we we all th- that's not to say that you shouldn't invest a ridiculous amount of money into your uh, uh guitar rig by shopping at westminster um but you're welcome Uh, Mm. (laughs) but but perhaps it's just not time to unleash the fury of all that is Osteen upon your local congregation. (laughs) Uh, Next question. Kyle
0: Jackson asks, if you could take one person or pastor back in time to be insulted by Martin Luther, who would you take? Mm. (laughs) My answer is circa 2006 Mark Driscoll, because he would respond, and it would be awesome. <laughs> that's a great, yeah. That would, lo- I'd love to see that, that go down. Would, that would just be hilarious to watch. They would, they would down. insult each other back and forth. It'd be like a rat battle, but pastors with insults.
2: <laughs> I uh, I have a few uh, a few ideas, but none of them are mm-hmm. uh, are known to our listeners. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, it, except for those listeners, I don't know about, and that's why I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whoever keeps doing
0: that at the movie series at your church, right? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> what, what's that next
2: inquisition question? <laughs> 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 you uh, got you know, somebody Bradley? On, on, on that topic. On that topic real quick. Okay, okay. I I will say that 211 is just completed its a a, at the movie series it's not like uh, i I started by saying it's like as if it's a a thing in the lectionary of of that which is parable (laughs) preaching and it's not um i mean really at the end of the day we have we have two pastors each one uh, uh presides runs is in charge of um a campus uh and one is uh, is more inclined to do parable preaching style of messages than the other and there are times when it is helpful to share work and and to use a sermon that you know another has written. Um, the The most recent uh, sermon series was was one that has come out of that sort of collaborative uh, situation as it were. And this one involved, oddly enough, time yeah. travel movies. Um, <laughs> now, our campus pastor uh, brought these to, uh, to his elder team, of which I'm a member, and uh, asked us for our insight, how they could be massaged. And instead of having it be a sermon about Back to the Future or Frequency or Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, yes, I know, we're not going to bring that up. <laughs> all right? All right. <laughs> I've never seen the movie, except... Th- this, is wh- this is the thing that gets me about Sermon Series. I've never seen the movie until I saw it in church. How stupid does that sound? <laughs> anyways. Anyways. How to use these films as allegory and sermon illustration. And that is it. Um, this past Sunday, for instance, was Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. The sermon wasn't about Bill and Ted. And, oh, what would we do if we could go back and learn all these things? The message was focusing and teaching upon how God has orchestrated His creation to do great things through insignificant things and insignificant people. Uh, yeah. Ruth, Boaz, so on and so forth. And fair enough. Hmm. That is the evolution where where these. I'll help you in a second. Leave. I love you, but go. Wow. Maybe Tuesday mornings will be better. She's in school Tuesday mornings. They will be better. Um, I love you, sweetheart. I'll help you soon. I'm not upset. <sighs> Anyways. Um, but that is the evolution of, of where things are now. You know, there, there was a time when there were lots of video clips for no other reason than hey let's show video clips um yeah and you'd leave the service knowing more about the movie than than the scripture that it was supposed to help expose or communicate right uh i am i am happy to say that uh that those days are behind us and and although things are not billed as an at the movie series get your popcorn so on and so forth um they're they are used. I'm still not a fan. I mean, wh- wh- let's get let's get that clear. But it is it is wonderful to be able to say that an allegory is being used as an allegory, an illustration is being used as an illustration. So for all those people over the last month who've been calling me out on Facebook, Hey, John, uh, <laughs> one of your church does this with your movie series, uh, <laughs> like. Um, <laughs> for one they've obviously got the uh, the content side of things handled they're they're no they're not short on ideas all right but <laughs> but uh they they are being used in what i consider a scripturally and pastorally responsible way and uh and i give thanks for that so that's uh, that's my my two and a half cents uh there
0: <laughs> so, bradley do you have anybody that you want to see get insulted by martin
1: luther
2: <laughs> oh yeah, that was the question.
1: <laughs> I I mean, I don't know if I can come up with one better than Mark Driscoll. That's that would be pretty fun. I mean, Pope Francis, maybe. I mean, yeah, take him <laughs> take take him back and then set the two down in, in in a room and lock the door with video cameras. Oh and man! See what and happens and maybe, especially
0: like know. since since both Vatican Councils. Oh, I know. oh man!
2: You know, I you know, but I don't know if I think Luther would just be like. This is a waste of my time. Because, like, yeah. that can
0: be an insult in itself. True. Yeah.
2: Like, popes nowadays, <laughs> like, there's 50 of them. Popes nowadays. <laughs> well, we like, got two, right? <laughs> like, they're soft. Like, as opposed to, like, Leo <clears> the <throat> 10th. Like, bro was yeah. hardcore. Yeah. Like, frickin' armor on a horse. You know, the <laughs> knight of Christ. <laughs> what, 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 what? 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 What's old Frankie boy doing? like just just uh, doing a little two finger wave on a balcony like what 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 are you doing for the church <laughs> I mean he's not hurting it you know he's not hurting the catholic church I mean it, he's not helping it I, like what are you doing I think that would be what Luther would say uh mm. to, to to Pope Francis <laughs> He was like where's the angry german guy get him back uh, <laughs> you
0: know? Oh man Oh man okay so We'll end with two questions from Farrick Zendley. First one is: Does one's theology or denomination affect one's walk with Christ?
1: Certainly, it does. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. yeah like
0: just from a, a, a repeat. Uh, Theme. If if your salvation is up to you, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps and keeping yourself saved, you're going to live differently than if God is sovereign over the fact that you have been saved and He will keep you saved. Th- like those, those are two entirely different ways of looking at things. Absolutely.
2: I mean, think of the uh, think of the uh, the uh, uh, almost the the antithesis to that. Not that you have to do something, but you have. But um, there have to be. Uh, signs and evidence and, and, and things that, that you produce. There has to be um, special fruit, uh, you know, a, above and beyond certain things that, um, that some denominations in, in their <clears throat> theology will, w- would say are required as proof of salvation, so to speak, things that, that have to come from you. And I'm not saying that, like, the bearing of fruit, I'm not saying that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with James or anything like that, but like the above and speaking in tongues, for instance, not everyone's going to be speaking in tongues. Okay. Like right. That's not a mark, uh, the, the definitive mark of your salvation or, or your, your, uh, acceptance into the fold of God. Um, but if you are being taught that in a, in an atmosphere where, where that is expected, uh, you very well may, uh, feel inclined uh to perform in such a way and and that in and of itself is is probably just as uh, uh detrimental as the pulling yourself up by your bootstraps uh idea mm-hmm. oh yeah absolutely affects it no doubt man i got fired up now i'm i'm ready to go <laughs> First, it's at the movies. Then it's
0: Francis, and now it's pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. I've never
2: once said anything bad about Pope Francis. Like I don't know what happened. Like I don't I don't, I don't. I don't know what Rome did to me in the last five minutes, but it was something real bad. Apparently. Apparently.
1: <laughs> so, so from a pastoral perspective, what do you got on that question? I mean, I I think it's profoundly significant. I mean, you. You know, it, and and it's a it's a daunting thing too because you know, um, for someone who just gets saved and and don't they don't know a lot about scripture they don't know a lot about um, you know theology of, mm-hmm. of salvation or sanctification or um, the doctrine of God the Trinity the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives they don't know all these things right out of the gates so they mm-hmm. just they've trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior and and. They can easily end up in a... You know, it's like you and I talked about um, when Kanye professed faith. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the biggest concerns that we had, uh, if that profession of faith is genuine and real, uh, which I I hope and pray that it is, that he doesn't get connected in, you know, a church like Lakewood. Right. uh, Because that could profoundly affect the way he, you know, he lives out his faith. I mean, you... You could have a guy like, um, you know, Lecrae who, who
2: mm, uh, for all
1: intents and purposes, or for all indications, I should say, seems to have, you know, linked up with guys like John Piper and, and what have you, and and um, mm-hmm. from what I can tell, seems to have a pretty solid theology. Um, at, at least I haven't heard anything negative. Well, late, lately, he's he's really backpedaled on
0: some of the social issues uh, the LGBT stuff. The uh, he he endorsed a an extremely not just pro choice but very pro abortion candidate See, recently that, and stuff so like that. Yeah, and bad example. I didn't know right. that. But I. I, I but, yeah. but while he was linked up with those guys more. Yep. You saw the fruit of that. You did. And and, and I think whatever musical artist you want to refer to like i think i think uh the band under Oath is a great example where they they were mostly raised in what sounded like super squishy prosperity driven ish kind of mega church culture and when they rejected that they rejected it really really hard yep. and you know you're, you're just gonna see the fruit of what you're I mean,
1: when the Bible talks about uh, in James, you know, teachers, those who teach, being held to a higher standard and held yeah. accountable. Um, That's I, why. <laughs> I mean, I have, I have, I have friends that, you know, twenty years ago, I, I know. I mean, I, 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 saw the evidence of genuine love and faith and, and trust in Christ that got caught up in prosperity, word of faith teaching. Yeah, and. Now measure their Christian experience by the amount of wealth that they have, or you know, it mm. and, and it's like that. That is um, that's dangerous, dangerous stuff for particularly those who teach that kind of garbage and that theology. So, I, the answer yeah. to the question is yes. You, you you know, if you're a new Christian, man, be so prayerful and and ask the Lord. And here's the good thing, pastorally, you asked me to speak to this. If, if anyone's listening that is a new believer and you don't feel like you know a lot about theology, you don't you don't have all these questions answered, and you're not even sure how to discern what church to be a part of, man, trust that your heavenly Father wants to lead you in that. Dive into the Scriptures, dive in hard and dive in prayerfully, and ask the Lord to lead you. Don't get don't just get enamored with what tickles your ears, but but let mm-hmm. the Lord lead you uh, to a church that you know. It may not be impressive by the standards of our day, but yep. might be led by elders and pastors who teach the Bible um, and are not adding to it and taking away. They're they're just teaching the Scripture. That's what you want to look for because um, there there are some things that I know I'm off on. I, I know mm-hmm. that I, I know that I get some things wrong theologically. But um, at Res, what you're going to find is you're going to find a commitment to teach the scripture to read and endeavor to understand what it says um and and resist with the help of the holy spirit any any hint of reading our bias into that um Mm -hmm. you know let's just let it speak to us and renew our minds. so yeah yeah, it's
0: huge and and one of the things that we say over and over at res is we don't judge the bible the bible judges us bible judges us And, and and you've and you've switched positions every now and then Oh yeah, where where it's like oh I was wrong after
1: yeah. all. Yeah, and you think That's about it. the Bereans in Acts seventeen when they heard Paul preach. Um, Luke says that they were more noble than their than the Thessalonican um, brothers because they searched the Scriptures for themselves to see if what Paul was saying was so. Yep. Um, so yeah, search the Scriptures. Yeah. Last
0: question, also from Ferenc Zindley. Uh, so congratulations are in order. Uh, as of this recording, uh, he is getting married this weekend. <laughs> way so, to go. Way to go. So boy. So by the time this comes out, that will have already happened. But he asks for any marriage pro tips.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll give you one. Um, learn to listen to your wife without trying to fix her
2: mm, That is quality advice. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mic drop. I mean <laughs> it, I mean Thanks if for I listening. could if I could bottle that up and make every husband drink it, including myself. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it it you know, the Bible talks about you know, living with your wife, believe us in First Peter, living with your wife in an understanding way. Mm-hmm. All right. We don't understand anything or anybody when we're constantly on a stump trying to prove a point Yep. or provide a solution. Understanding only comes through listening and asking questions and listening. Um, And, you know, Cody, you and your wife went through premarital counseling with Mary and I, and Mm -hmm. you know how much I hammer on the need for compassion and empathy in a marriage where I seek first to understand and then be understood. Yep. Um, and you know, I I tell this story all the time. I, I told a, I had a couple come into my office one time, ready to get divorced, couldn't stand each other. And, and their problems were not, you know, what you might call serious traumatic issues. They just had a long, long laundry list of domestic, um, unhealthy stuff going on um, and they, they would come in and argue and he said and she said and they did and, and she didn't and he didn't and blah 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 and they couldn't talk about where they're going out to eat without ending up in a big fight and I just told him, I said alright for the next week um, bef- until you come back to see me again if an argument starts you're not allowed to make statements neither one of you and I, and I told him, I said, if you if you come back and, and start telling me, you know, about what you said to try to prove your point, I'm not going to meet with you anymore. If an argument starts, you're only allowed to ask questions and seek understanding. And they kind of gruffed at me and looked at me funny. And then they came back in the next week. And I'm I'm not exaggerating. They were grinning. They were grinning, mm-hmm. and the whole atmosphere, not, not all the problems were solved, but the atmosphere of their marriage had changed because they came in and smiled and said, Pastor, we did what you said, and our argument was over in like five minutes because they just started <laughs> to say, okay, I, I want to understand why you're upset. So, you know, it, it, I forget the guy's name, but w- w- going into marriage, you know, make it your goal to listen and understand, make that your top priority and have compassion and empathy, particularly in conflict. And I'm telling you, a lot of marital problems get solved when you take that approach.
0: Yeah. My, my thing is, it's not about you. Yeah. It, it, it is not about you. And I mean, I forget that all the time. Sure. Uh, I'm sure we all three of us <clears> do. Uh, but it's, it's ultimately not even about her. It's ultimately about both of you pointing to Jesus. Right, mm-hmm. absolutely. So. You got anything, John? Marriage pro tips. Have yeah, at it, man.
2: Well, I know what we're talking about. I'm like I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm present. Uh, let's see. We are. Uh, I, I've got a bounce. So uh, here is the best advice you'll hear all day. Uh, if you don't like a wedding present, put it on eBay before you even leave the hotel the next day. Uh, <laughs> because you don't, you don't need that sort of baggage in your life. All right. Uh, yeah. not uh, no, no one needs a stainless steel <laughs> cocktail shaker <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. Well, there with that go. said,
0: <laughs> <laughs> make sure you follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Leave a five star review and support the show at anchor.fm. You know the drill. Uh, so, I guess that's Bradley and John via the interwebs. I'm Cody. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.